Welcome to Stories with Shrinks, where we oversight to analyze characters from your favorite movies, TV, and media. I'm Jennifer, she, her, hers. And I'm Tyler, he, his, him. And normally, this is when we throw a get-to-know-you question out there, but we thought we would take a step back this week, and we didn't feel we wanted to, in out of respect for the community people that we will be talking about. Sometimes our get-to-know-you questions are direct references to the shows and the media or whatever it is that we are talking about, but this week, we are honoring the month, we are honoring a group of people, and we didn't want to be disrespectful as these characters represent a real group of people in our community. And right. it is June when we are recording and when this is And when releasing. this releases. And it is Pride Month. We are talking about the LGBTQ plus community with characters that are within the community, represent the community, and hold a special place in our nerd hearts. And Tyler, right. I do believe you have a new client. I do have a new client today and happy pride, Jen. Happy pride, Tyler. Oh, it's a good, it's a good time. It's a good month. It's always nice. Um, so I, yeah, anyway, I do have a new client. My client is Dr. Pamela Isley. She is 30 years old or in her thirties, probably early thirties. She's a metahuman. She is cisgender female and is questioning her sexual identity at this time. I am talking about Poison Ivy from the Harley Quinn animated series, which if you have not seen it, it's incredible. And also I'm about to spoil the crap out of it. Yes, um, and that's a new show too, so. It's, an, it's a newer show. If you haven't seen it and you wanna see it, it's on HBO Max, go, go live your life. It's very good. Uh, we're gonna be spoiling season two, so yeah, sorry. But also, if you've been reading comics for a little while, like, uh, this isn't a huge spoiler. Um, but anyway, in the in the reference of the show, she is currently, we are currently in season two somewhere, and she's questioning her sexuality. So we are here because Dr. Isley, uh, or Poison Ivy, Ivy, as she has been, she's given me permission to call her, has been experiencing a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, she was recently imprisoned by Bane with her best friend, Harley Quinn. And after they managed to escape the prison together, they shared a kiss and a, a very romantic one at that. But Ivy is conflicted. She is not sure what to do moving forward. She knows that she is engaged to be married to Kite Man uh, and she knows that she loves Kite Man. He is sweet and kind and just a generally good person. And she enjoys that a lot about him versus the very chaotic and growing, but not quite there yet, Harley Quinn, who she has issues with the chaos and the instability that surrounds Harley. And this would just basically be narrative identity work and talking to her about how do you want to define what this means for you? Let's talk like there's this life stuff, this big life stuff about, you know, you're engaged and you're going to get married and your best friend and you just had this really intense sexual experience with each other. Oh, romantic experience, I guess. Um, the sexual experiences happen a little bit later in the timeline than when I'm talking. They do hook up later. 
um, but I'm talking right after that first kiss with each other. And really like saying, okay, there's these major life events, yes. We're gonna step back from that just a little bit. I know this is the thing that's like really bugging you, but I wanna take a step back and simplify this sooner of just where are you at right now, identity-wise? And where do we wanna place that? And when I go over this with clients, I start by just going, we're not gonna talk about a label. We're not starting with a label. Because I think a lot of people get really hung up on what is the what is the one that fits for me? Because there are so many different labels for sexual and defectual orientation. So for those who don't know, sexual orientation are the people who you would um, pair with in a sexual way. Effectual orientation are the people who you would have a relationship with. And those are two very separate things. So sexual and effectual orientation are very separate. They are different. The same way that gender identity, gender expression, and biological sex are three separate things. And so it would be talking her through that, like, who do you feel sexually attracted to? And who do you feel romantically attracted to? Who do you want to be in a relationship with? Not these specific people, but just in general. How are you feeling about that? Do you feel like it's, uh, to use my favorite metaphor ever from Schitt's Creek, do you feel like, you know, you, uh, you you like red wine? Do you feel you like white wine? Do you like rosé? Do you like a Pinot Noir who used to be a Chardonnay? Do you, what, what do you like? Or do you like the wine and not the label? And for Ivy, I think talking with her and getting her through this, I think we would talk about a label where she feels sexually and romantically attracted to both people who identify as male and people who identify as female. And even in that conversation without labels, when we're talking about like, who are you attracted to? I try to stick away from the gender binary um, because it, you know, gets complicated. Like, are you attracted to people within this gender? Are you attracted to people who are non-binary? You know, like where, where does that land? And are you attracted to anybody at all is also a question that can come up as well. If there are people in the, a, the ACE and ARO communities where sometimes you're just not attracted at all. And that's totally valid. And, you know, it's, it's a way of being a human. All of these are. And just to give her that space to think this through and say, like, what, what would you like to start with? And once she has an idea of what the actual feelings are that are there, we can then start to apply a label. And to say, like, for sure, this is not the way that everyone does this. This is not, there is no correct way to go about identity work. Identity work is personal and unique. This is the way that I choose to go about it with people because I think that if you start with just what are you feeling, it makes it easier to narrow down what label you wanna use. So after talking about this with Ivy, I think she would land somewhere in the bisexual umbrella. Now, when I say that, Bisexual is a term that is used for covering a lot of different identities. Uh, it's an umbrella term that can also include things like pansexual and panromantic, where, you know, it, and I'm not going to go explaining all of these labels because they vary from person to person. Everyone's unique experience with identity is unique. So whatever label you want to use, guess what? It's valid. Congrats. Uh, it doesn't matter what the textbook definition is, but for her, I think we'd land somewhere in the bisexual umbrella, at least to start. Um, we might end up in pan at some point, but I think starting with bi would be where she'd be comfortable. And just talking about what does that mean for her? And then, you know, narrowing it down and specifying, okay, let's talk about Kite Man and Harley. And where are you landing on that? 
what are you what do you want to do with that um i'm gonna i'm gonna bring out the old drum that i beat every time we talk about attraction on this podcast which is because you feel something does not mean you have to act on it and yet you have acted on this attraction what does that mean for you you've acted on your attraction to kite man what does that mean for you and really just taking your step by step and going okay look none of this makes you a bad person. Your decisions do not make you a bad person. Your behaviors don't make you a bad person. And at some point you will need to choose. Or talk about an open relationship with these people. That's also an option too. However, more than likely, they're not going to be comfortable with that. And you're going to have to pick. And what does that picking mean for Ivy? What does that choice mean? come down to for her and I can't answer that for her like I, I you can never answer that for a client like your job as a therapist is not to make choices for people it's to present them with the options and allow them to make the choice themselves and to give them space to not judge them within that choice so for her it'd be like okay you could pick kite man you could pick Harley you could pick neither of them you could attempt to pick both of them but I think that would be messy and a lot of a lot of work especially since some infidelity has happened already but which of those options are you leaning towards today? Which of those options are you leaning towards next week? When you look down the road five years from now and you look at what, where these roads might lead, which one seems the most intriguing to you? And not impressing my desires or will or any advice on her and just saying like, you're a smart person. Where do you think this is going? And when you look down the road a little bit, do you think you'll be happy? And when I say happy here, I mean content. Uh, I don't. I don't believe in chasing happy. Um, personally, uh, I feel like it's a little bit like chasing a drug high. Uh, if you decide to chase happy all your life, you're going to be chasing that dragon all over the place. Whereas instead, you chase contentment or peace, um, whatever word works for you but for her like where is that contentment going to come from five years down the road and to know that there's stability somewhere and stability in other places life is chaotic in general so just saying this one's chaotic and this one's not is not going to be a good enough answer for me i will challenge clients on stuff like that like are you being realistic um you know oh well you know life with kite men would be boring and stable life with harley would be exciting and chaotic okay what about when life throws chaos in the way anyway you're a super villain so life is pretty chaotic anyway what's that going to look like although to be fair i do think that uh, ivy is more of a uh, an anti-hero than a super villain nowadays back in the day she was a super villain nowadays her ideas don't seem too extreme guys I mean, maybe we don't kill people to make the environment better, but, you know, helping the environment, not so bad of a cause. But all that to say, like, it, a lot of this work, at least from my perspective, comes from just really, really open acceptance of wherever people are that week and just going with that. Like, what are you feeling? Um, and so with Ivy, I think we'd land somewhere in the bisexual spectrum umbrella whatever you want to use it the term as and we would just talk through these relationships and her decisions and you know remove the judgment and the shame of 
whatever choice you make, nobody, like, I'm not going to judge you for them. Whatever choice you make is yours to make because this is your life. You're an adult human and you get to choose. And that is scary and exciting and wonderful. And then process the choice with her after she's made it. We're not quite there yet in the story. So that is Dr. Pamela Isley or Ivy. Thank you. I really liked how you brought up that idea of the, the labels, because I do a very similar approach where it's more, you know, what does this mean to you? What do these feelings mean to you? And I personally am not an expert on every term and definition and and by no way is my thought process on any term or definition congruent your experience of that term or definition and you get to you get to fit it and I kind of take the same approach of trying to help the client not get overwhelmed by all the different labels labels and more Mm -hmm. focus in on like what are you feeling what what are we what are we right now and, and I appreciate that you added that part. And then of course, the ultimate question, the one, the only question, why Ivy? I picked Ivy because one, I just really like the show and I think more people should watch it. It's so good, uh. y'all. It's so good. <laughs> I don't have HBO Max and this show came out. I just bought the season on my Xbox, just knowing I was going to enjoy it. And you know what? I did. <laughs> it is so well-written. It's so funny. It's so topical. The first line of the entire show is my fellow whites. Like it is so upfront with how much it knows about our culture right now. Mm -hmm. And like, ah, it's just really good. So one, I wanted more people to watch this show. (laughs) Two, I wanted to bring in a bisexual character very specifically because the conversation around pride right now of this year has been whether or not to allow people who are bisexual, but in straight appearing relationships to go to pride. And it, in a way, like it, I don't know, I, it, it's a lot of complex issues here at play. Mm-hmm. I get it that people feel like people who are in straight appearing relationships might be, you know, using pride or appropriating pride in a way. And also this is an entire event about loving people for who they are and bisexual people are incredibly valid and deserve a seat at the table. Um, whether or not they are in a relationship that is straight appearing or not. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that may, you know, for me, the other thing that comes to mind too, is that if you see someone in a quote unquote, a straight appearing relationship, that's making a lot of assumptions about both right. of those people. So, yeah, I think I wanted to bring a bisexual character because I think bisexuality gets erased a lot of the time in media and in culture. I also think that it's being currently you know, not treated as kindly as it could be in the, in the community. Yeah. I wanted to bring in bisexuality because that's why. Um, And yeah, (laughs) I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on this specifically, but I don't want to be here for the rest of the evening. Just (laughs) absolutely. No, it's it's so true about what you've been saying. And as someone who has friends in the community and specifically within the, the bi community, it's, I've, I've watched a lot of struggles about that self-acceptance, especially the, the presenting in the relationship and how it, it might be perceived to others. And, you know, hey, I, love is love is love is love, y'all. Well, it's just love. 
Yeah. Just or if you can't love, unconditional positive regard. Exactly. Good that's a good. Just that's a good. Just accept people for who they are. Right. And again, I, I'll just echo. She's a kick-ass character in that show. She is. It's so good. It's just yeah. so good. But thank you, Tyler. And You're we'll welcome. be taking a short break. Hey y'all, this is Jennifer. We wanted to reach out and let you all know that we are on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stories with Shrinks and on Twitter, Shrink Stories. We post before episodes, little sneak peeks about what we're talking about and trying to engage more with our community about the topic. You can find that and join the story with us online. Welcome back to Stories with Shrinks where we are having our Pride special. Uh, we just wrapped up me talking about Dr. Pamela Isley from the Harley Quinn animated series. And now we are moving over to Jen, who I believe has a new client. I do have a new client. And we are going down south to Louisiana, Bon Temps to be exact. And we're going to go back a couple years to like the early O's. Um, my client is in his mid-30s. He works as a short order cook for Marlott's Bar and Grill. And his name is Lafayette Reynolds. He is a black gay male who uses he, his, him pronouns and has recently moved in with his significant partner, Jesus, which is his first in a long, long time significant move in partner boyfriend and it's a big transition for him it's also going around a time where he's really exploring different parts of himself his culture his spirituality and there's just also just a lot going on in Bonton at any given time living in the town is not always the safest place especially these past few years um, so if you aren't aware yet we are talking about the show True Blood and in our world a lot of different things are possible vampires witches mediums they're not werewolves no i guess they're, i think they're werewolves i think they identify as werewolves in bon they're yeah i think they're lichens right well, yeah because i know there's like werepanthers and um like then there's ropes. people who are shifters i was thinking of shifters and then there's werewolves and then werepanthers there's a lot of things there's fairies a whole bunch of mythical stuff is going down in Bon Toms, which affects Lafayette. And he has been witnessing a lot of murders, a lot of family drama, a family dynamics. And we are roughly in season three of the show, just to give you guys a time frame. And the reason why he, again, is coming into therapy is this is for the first time. It's kind of been a break in the supernatural element of what's going on in Bontons. Unfortunately, his one of his dear friends has gone missing and has been gone missing for a good period of time. However, she does kind of bring a lot of trouble with her. So while there's a part of him that is deeply saddened by her disappearance, it has caused a calmness in town in a lot of different ways. And again, he has his partner moving in and it's the first in a long time serious relationship. So we're talking a lot about 
what it means to have a significant relationship for a long period of time. What does it mean to be moving forward in a significant relationship? Moving in is a big step. And we're going to start talking about some of the family trauma. He finally feels safe enough within his relationship to start exploring some of that early family trauma, the recent traumas. We want to be very mindful um, about the illicit drug use that he is a part of. He has reported using drugs recreationally, selling drugs, is in the community actively knowing that he's a dealer um, and trying to step back from that lifestyle while also still engaging with drug use. Um, particularly, he uses prescription pills, but partakes in other drugs as well, including V. And what that does for him in his relationship. We also want to talk about spirituality. He reports being a medium and being a therapist in Bontemps means that you are open to all kind of supernatural conversations. And um, it would be a part of my identity as a therapist to provide a welcoming space for all supernatural needs as well. But what does it mean for him to be exploring his spirituality as a medium with his partner? and what it means for him to be a part of the supernatural community, something that he has always kind of stepped away from leading up to this. And the reason I wanted to specifically talk about Lafayette in therapy is because he's a very proud gay man. His identity is not the reason we're coming into therapy. And he is perfectly comfortable identifying as a gay male. He commonly describes himself as very flamboyant. He's very open about his sexuality and almost advocates for himself a lot in the ways of being a black gay male in Louisiana and what that means culturally for him. And we talk about the cultural dynamics in the room as a white cisgender female and what it means to be talking across from somebody like this and what it means for his experience as a black female in Louisiana. And the reason is I have commonly had supervisors that might say things like, oh, you have to talk about the identity piece. You have to talk about the sexuality. It must be an issue. And it's like, no, just because an individual identifies in any way does not mean that's the issue that they're coming into therapy to deal with. And I have had older supervisors that kind of want me to pinpoint in on that conversation, even though I'm bringing other issues up in supervision. They're like, well, have you talked about the fact that they're gay yet? And I'm like, that's not, that's not one of the goals of therapy. And that's not an issue in therapy. So no, I haven't. And I think it's an important conversation because Lafayette is a proud gay man and he's very comfortable with his sexuality, but that doesn't mean he's not having other relationship issues about moving in with his partner. So we'd wanna talk about what does that look like? What does trust look like when you're moving in with somebody? What does intimacy look like? What does this transition mean for you and your partner? How are you guys communicating about this transition? Moving is Moving in is a big step. It is inviting someone into your life. And even if they've been spending the night every night, you guys are very comfortable with each other on a daily basis. It is a level of intimacy that you may not be prepared for in a lot of ways. And they're going to see the parts of you that you normally keep private sometimes. 
and there won't be that break in the middle of the day if you're really sick of your partner because let's keep it real it happens and giving him a space to process this and process his partner's openness to the spiritual world where he's still very shy and afraid of it and how to communicate to someone you deeply care about and you love that maybe they're moving at a faster rate than you are on certain parts of your guys's relationship and what you guys mean to each other and it's okay it doesn't mean that you don't love the person it means that you just need to communicate that like in this part of our relationship we need to slow down i'm not ready for this yet and in the show there's a magical element to his partner and you know talking about that what does that mean for you what does it mean to be introduced to this world and also what does it mean to find stability in a loving relationship and going back to that trauma narrative growing up on his process of coming out and his mother's reaction to it how his mother wasn't accepting of it due to spiritual beliefs specifically within the christianity religion and what does it mean for him to be approaching spirituality in a different way through the supernatural community and what does it mean now to find a very loving partner and again talking about that unconditional positive regard and how it can feel very strange and very different when you're not used to that unconditional positive regard about your identity or about romantic relationships in that way so bringing in that aspect of when he says you can trust me and when he says i love you what comes up for you do you believe it naturally is it hard for you to say it back how are you expressing yourself? How are you expressing your needs, your insecurities? Are you pushing away? Are you pursuing? What kind of dynamics are you bringing into the relationship? And not necessarily doing couples work because he's my client, not the couples, but there's ways to talk about it where if they're coming in with couples related topics of like, hey, he keeps pushing me to explore magic more explore being a medium more and I'm not ready for that and I don't know how to tell him because I don't want him to think I don't love him yada 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 whatever it is okay how do we talk about this how do you confront your partner in a way that you're not going to be afraid to lose him and how do you talk about those fears and insecurities and if gender expression and gender identity come up making sure that he feels safe to explore those needs with me and also if it comes up within the couple's relationship or just within his friend group or with his sister how he feels about expressing those needs and being able to express himself authentically with his the people in his life and again just touching on that drug use part making sure that um, he understands safety needs and what other coping skills are, can we include making sure that he understands that as a clinician, I'm gonna make sure that he has the resources that if he chooses to get clean, we can do it safely. And also making sure he has the coping skills already in place so that if he makes that choice, he isn't gonna relapse as quickly as maybe if he didn't have other coping skills already in place because it's hard to take away a primary coping skill so that drug use usually is if we don't have anything that feels stable and secure to replace it with. And it might be 
a part of his relationship dynamic that is one of his primary coping skills now. And if he feels safe and loved in that relationship, balancing that of like, okay, how do you want to explore this with your partner about him being probably a coping skill and a resource in your sobriety? And what does that look like for you? So I think there'd be a lot of different dynamics to Lafayette. And again, the specific reason I wanted to talk about him is one, an amazing character. He is so empowering within himself and he really owns his identity and owns himself. But because, and again, like kind of step behind the curtain, I feel like a lot of the time, sometimes shows and pop culture check a box of like, okay, we have the LGBTQ character and that's their story arc. And it sucks in a way. Like it's, we love representation, but a character, it shouldn't be just another quota that they're filling. And I feel, and I could just be biased in my opinion, but I feel like Lafayette isn't, his his story arc isn't, he's gay in any way. Um, he has a full well-rounded story arc around many different parts of his identity. And I think that's really awesome to see. And again, I've had in, I've had supervisions go, well, why aren't you talking about the gay issue? And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> there isn't a gay issue here. It's, yeah, a, it's maybe, not an issue. It's not play. an issue, right? Um, there's other things going on in the relationship or there's other things going on within his identity that has nothing to do with how he expresses. So let's, let's focus on that in therapy. And um, yeah important part of the conversation as well so that would be my experience working with Lafayette in therapy you already answered the question did I already answer the question because he's a an amazing bit. character a little bit <laughs> yeah. you already answered the question a little bit but that being said you know I think my my thoughts first just yeah I think he is a very good example of like he is a character who happens to be gay mm -hmm not a character who is gay and that is the, the reason they are here yes. to fill to fill a quota or to give us a narrative of does this character need to come out and who to and like that kind mm -hmm. of stuff it's like he is a character who happens to be gay and is not ashamed of that in any way like mm -hmm. it's a wonderful representation example because there are so many horrible examples of representation for the lgbtq plus community in uh media where you know there's a whole there's a whole trope and it keeps getting brought back because it just keeps happening right. uh which is uh called you know barrier gaze which is that when gay people are portrayed in media they're characters that are killed off usually. Mm -hmm. um and it's you know it's changing but it is does keep coming up so it's changing but maybe not as not as quickly, quickly. as we as we'd like um there was a fairly recent example that was really prevalent that I can't remember. Oh, it was Supernatural. Oh, Castiel? Mm -hmm. This moment he comes out, he dies? Yeah. 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 We'll just cut out all the searching and we'll cut forward to that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was Supernatural that had the, the barrier gaze. Very, that's very much a spoiler. Just be warned because that is the final season that just premiered. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, it's so true where, you know, so often we see it as the checkbox character, the gay best friend, the I come out and then I'm killed off. Um, and or like the whole purpose of my character is my coming out story and to bring yeah. conflict and culture, quote unquote, to the community at large. And 
Lafayette from episode one that he is in is very much proud of and very much an advocate and very much open about his sexuality but it doesn't define him in the the total of a show when i think of lafayette and true blood it is more of his journey with his own almost identity as a medium and his role in his sister's his cousin's life sorry his cousin's life um and his role in the community at large and it's not like oh he's the gay character like yes he is a character he happens to be gay but i don't necessarily identify him that way and i think it's really empowering also that it is a black gay character um because i know just reading online how much that meant to the community um to see a male who happens to be gay who is black be proud of his identity and be empowered by his identity and not shy away from it. Um, and then just a quick side note, the actor who did play him tragically passed away. Um, if you are struggling with addiction, please know that there are resources, there is help out there. Um, and he died from heart related issues trying to get clean. Um, and there is resources, there is help. You don't have to be alone in that fight. I think that's a wonderful note to leave this off on. I think you addressed the question without asking, without me having asked the question. Always yes. fun. So yeah, I think that's a good place for us to leave off for this time. So yes. until we see you next time, take care. Bye y'all. Stories with Strings is an entertainment and education podcast. Our views are our own and should not be considered canon or associated with any of the media or universes we discuss. And thank you to Purple Planet Music for our theme song, Phoenix Rising. You can find music for all your podcasting or YouTube needs at www.purple-planet.com. <laughs>